This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. The financial sector conduct authority's latest health warning on cryptos comes amid a flood of complaints from investors who lost money or were scammed. And this is coming from the head of enforcement at the regulatory body, Brandon Topham. The FSCA, the Financial Sector Conduct Authority, has more than 170 open investigations, some of them involving crypto, but not all of them. South Africa has become an international hub for crypto scams, many of them like the now collapsed Mirror Trading International or MTI that was promising returns of up to 10% a month. We here at MoneyWeb are inundated with emails and calls from readers asking us to check out whether some new crypto scheme is legit. They seem to pop up almost daily, and it's impossible to keep track of them all. So it's time to get back to basics. We're joined by Brandon Topham, Head of Enforcement at the FSA, to get a sense of what's going on in the crypto world and scams. Brandon, first off, we've had you on on MoneyWeb Crypto a few times already talking about the same subject, scams. You have 170 investigations on the go. That's quite a staggering figure. Give us a sense of what is going on here, even after the collapse of MTI and all the adverse publicity around that and all the articles that we've written here at MoneyWeb, people still seem to be falling for this. What is going on? Let me first clarify. I have more than 170 investigations ongoing, but I have 170 investigations that are basically just looking at WhatsApp and online scams at this point point in time. So we have a large number of investigations, even more than the 170, that we are just trying to ascertain, are they actually scams or not? And then only will I put it into a full-blown investigation to try and close them down, etc. So the 170 is just the, the matter of, I've got to make an initial quick assessment on, is there something serious happening here or not? And how at risk are the public? So it's quite serious at the moment. I think the whole world have been subject to scams for, an, for a number of years. And the more under pressure the economy is, the more people will come up with new ways to, to take money from somebody else. Most cases, I've actually found that the people who are involved in a scam don't even realize themselves that they are scamming somebody else. They believe so much in their product or their business model, they actually believe their own lies. So very often, it's very difficult to look somebody in the eyes and come up with a decision, hey, this is um, this guy's trying to crook me. Second, sometimes they don't. They believe their own lies. Not even sometimes. In the greatest number of cases, you ask some seasoned police officers the question: How often do the con men actually believe their own lies? And they'll probably tell you a majority of the time. So tell us about that. I mean, you got people there who don't know that they themselves are sitting at the top of this pyramid, which which is itself a scam. How is that possible? Well, I mean, there's different levels of, of conning people. I think the starting point is conning yourself. So very often people are breaking the law because they don't know their ignorance of the law from, from that point of view, that they're breaking law by, for instance, not necessarily having a license with us to advise other people how to, to look after your money. They're, they are criminals, effectively, because our legislation makes you a criminal in the event of, of trying to help somebody else with their money if you're not properly registered. But then there is the next level of, 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 of con man who actually goes out to try and misalign the truth. But over time, and sometimes they initially might have realized that they were, they were actually defrauding people, but they start to live this life so to the full that they actually believe that there are these great investors, that they actually know how to manage people's money. 
I mean, uh, you, I, I know you're going to ask me about mirror trading at the moment, but out of interest, that's in provisional liqui- uh, liquidation. But there are people that want to actually go and put into business rescue because they want to legitimately try and trade out of the hole which the company is currently in because those people honestly believe that this company was a legitimate trading concern. And some of them, I believe, were quite high up in mirror trading. So even in a case where all the evidence indicates this was a scam perpetrated by an individual and brought in a lot of other people, some probably unknowingly, these people still believe it months later that this was a legitimate business opportunity. All right. So just to be clear on that, you actually did a raid on Mirror Trading International's offices and on the homes of some of the executives there, and you asked to investigate where is this supposed computer bot or algorithm which is doing all of this trading that's making 10% a month, as you claim. What did you find? Nothing. There was no bot, effectively. Um, and even if this bot did exist, it's what it was meant to be delivering was impossible. So that's how any realistically conservative-thinking person who stood back and looked at the problem could realize that something goes wrong. You know, nobody can offer a return of 5% a month, never mind 10%. Very few people can legitimately go out and offer a return of 10% per annum right now. In fact, one of the things people ask me, how do you know if it's a scam? And I say, well, as soon as the rate is more than 10% per annum, you have to start to, to exercise extreme caution. Regardless of all the other factors that we, we, we tell people about, checking other people properly registered, etc., as soon as the returns are more than 10%, even if it is legitimate, it's extremely high risk, no matter what. In the current inflationary position where we are in the country, an asset manager that gives you more than 10% is doing extremely well. So now when company comes and tells you, I'm going to give you 2% per month, etc., you can compound, you can calculate it out, but just simply, even that's 24% per annum. You know, it's already more than double. What I'm telling you now is already a, a extremely good return to be getting in the current market, for instance. Just staying with Mirror Trading for a moment, uh, Johann Steinberg, who was the CEO of Mirror Trading, he disappeared in December, apparently ran to Brazil. I think you said before you thought he was in Panama. Have we been able to get any finger on where he is at the moment? Look, I'm not part of the police's criminal investigation unit, but I'm not aware of any new information on on Mr. Steinberg's whereabouts. And are you in collaboration or working with the provisional liquidators? Are they keeping you updated? Have they been able, for example, track down any Bitcoin? Well, we know about the Bitcoin, which the um, the first broker company that actually pulled the plug on the organization last year in Belize, they froze the money itself. So that money is well known and is in the process of being repatriated into the liquidator's um, care at the moment. It's, it's almost completed. So I think it's about 1,200 Bitcoin have been brought back into South Africa in the process of being back in the liquidator's kitty as such that will be part of the process. But there's no other assets that I'm aware of that anybody's been able to locate or find yet. Just talk about the, let's go back to this issue of the scams. There, there are credible crypto operators operating in South Africa and around the world. And then there's the rest. What everyone seems to want is for regulation to happen. In other words, the crypto exchanges, they're dying to see regulation come into place where they can actually sign up as financial service providers. So the question is, when is that likely to happen? Okay, so the legislative processes which need to be followed do take time. Let's say six months. All right, that's me thumb-sucking a figure that all sorts of things could go wrong. 
I personally hope it will be a lot quicker than that because, yes, people want to put money into cryptos. I don't like to use the word invest into cryptos. I think you know my viewpoint on that. I say if you want to gamble, you're welcome to gamble, and we're going to help you have the ability to, to, to do so. So we all feel that there is a need that the legitimate players that offer the service in South Africa do get some form of, of regulation. And um, so we're going to do our best to get that process going, finalized within within six months. But now that's me thumb-sucking and doing the best I can to, to try and come up with a deadline that will work. Okay, so sometime this year you expect there would be regulation I'm in place? I'm extremely hopeful of such, yes. Okay. okay. But people must understand that just because we are regulating the players in the field doesn't mean that we like the industry. You know, right. So, for instance, you can buy f- futures, you can buy all sorts of things in, in the financial arena. It doesn't mean we think it's a great investment for your portfolio. And specifically when people say, how do I buy crypto or whatever? And how much crypto must I say? So I said, well, how much have you bought of other forms of investment? How much money do you have in a savings account? How much money do you have in a, a collective investment scheme? They told me nothing. So the entire investment portfolio is going to go into some high-risk venture. And that's not a good idea. And that's why we really recommend to everybody. It doesn't matter how great the return is in any asset class. You never put all your eggs in one basket. And you must make sure you get a financial advisor that can look at your total portfolio holistically you can't be greedy you can't just go invest in the in in the current next best thing because you could get your timing wrong you know you could get there's all sorts of things that that can go wrong so please act cautiously different story if you want to gamble then you can go if you ask me how do i double my money quickly i say go and put your money on red or black you've got a very good chance of doubling it very quickly uh, and and likewise, but don't don't lie to yourself about what you're doing. If you want to speculate, if you want to gamble, there's sources to do that. If you want to invest, investing is storing long-term value. You know, so that I don't know what your investment horizon might be. It might be five years. It might be forty years. You don't put all your money in, into into one basket. Just what prompted you to bring out the second health warning on cryptos that you actually put out last week? So this is the second in I think about as many months, maybe in the last three months. Something must have happened that that prompted that. Well, daily I'm getting complaints from people about I put my money here, etc. In this specific case. Another financial journalist sent me a complaint that she received from one of her investors. Her name is Maya Fish. I think you, you may know her. And she said, yeah, as a, a lady, she took her entire investment and put it into crypto asset. Well, two things went wrong with there. Besides by putting all her money into one investment, she didn't put it into a legitimate player. So it wasn't that she put her money into crypto asset. She gave her money to a con man. And the con men know that it's easy to go and lie to people right now because they can't be checked up on because they're not registered anywhere. So uh, it's not that the crypto asset is is the con. It's that the, the con men are playing very strongly in this field at the moment right. and convincing a little old lady who's basically tied her entire life savings and pension. Well, she's got no life savings anymore and she will have to uh, rely on other people to support her in her old age as right. a result of falling for, for the, the quick or the belief that this is the best investment possible for her. Right. Of course, all of these crypto scams, they actually rely on the legitimate players. Now, who, who are those legitimate players? Let me just spell that out for people who are listening in. It's Luno, it's Valor, it's Altcoin Trader, it's Revix. Those are the guys that you would normally go to. And sorry, I might have missed out a few, and I apologize if I have. 
those are the guys that you would go to when you want to buy crypto. The crypto that you buy there is then stored in a wallet, which is in your name. The problem comes, and this is what was happening at Mirror Trading International, they say, no, you've got to send that crypto to us, to a wallet controlled by us. So that's a very important question to ask is, do I control this wallet? And if somebody's asking you to send them Bitcoin, uh, be very, very suspicious about any request like that, right? For sure. So look, I don't know who the legitimate players are in South Africa because we have no ways to say who some, whether somebody is a legitimate player or not. So you have to look at track record, etc. You are closer to the industry than I am, Karen. So you know, you, you, you've interviewed many of the CEOs, etc. of those companies you've mentioned, etc. Um, but yes, I, if I was choosing a player, I would make sure that the person had a, a presence in South Africa, a physical address, a company registered here, South Africans, real life people for a good start. Most definitely stay away from anybody based in any offshore island, any offshore country. You don't need to be there. You must be dealing with a South African company of some sorts. And then, yes, you never give your money away. If somebody says, listen, yeah, give me your thousand bucks, I'll look after it for you. You know, are you going to do that? 99% of people know they're not going to. So why would you do it with any other asset class which you might have, be it a, a share that's that you bought in your name and they say, put that share in my name, I'll look after it for you. You're not going to do that. So why would you do it when it comes to uh, a wallet? Again, I would just urge people to go through uh, MoneyWeb Crypto because we do have a pretty strict vetting process there. So, um, you know, we'll try and keep you on top of what's legit and what's not. And you are right, it's unregulated. But the exchanges that I've just mentioned there, they do have a KYC process and they do have an anti-money laundering process in place. And their security, they've invested a lot of money in their security. And this is why I'm saying that you have to go to a company like that, that is in South Africa, where you can um, be sure that your crypto is going to be safe. Now, the question I want to ask you is, has South Africa become an international hub for crypto and forex scams? Because this thing is, is as much as it's coming across your desk, it's coming across mine as well. I don't think we're an, an international hub. I think this is a problem throughout the world. Um, and we know about it because we live in South Africa. So obviously all the South African people that get conned are going to report it to yourselves and, and to, to, to us. Um, I don't have the figures to say that we are worse off than any other country. I do feel, though, that South Africa, we are tend to be gullible very often and greedy. So I'm not sure whether we're gullible or, or, or greedier than other countries, but we definitely have a high percentage of our population that falls into one of those, of those two classes of people. So it does make it easier for people to fall prey to. The third issue is that all cons are based on new technologies always. Be a, no matter no matter what it might be, because we don't know the right questions to ask very often. So right now in South Africa, it is a big thing. But the fear of missing out on this on this crypto bandwagons running around the world, everybody's buying. Everybody's been told what great returns we've had on this a thousand percent over so many months or years, and you can't miss out. And that's what drives people to to, to act sometimes rashly into in a new industry. So. Okay. Of course, there are also dodgy forex trading companies around, a lot of them too. The FSCA withdrew the financial service provider license for a company called Presidium. That was last year. 
and it was an associated company called Imagina FX. You also withdrew the license for that company. Both of those are liquidated now. Again, they were offering returns of around 40% a year. But if you read the promo, it, it's, yeah, maybe you could fudge a little bit. Were they really promising that? You know, they were certainly saying historically we've done that and everything seemed to be going very well until they weren't. And all of a sudden the thing just imploded. So some people put millions of dollars, US dollars, into those schemes. And when I asked those people what due diligence they did, they said not very much. A friend told me. This is, uh, and you know, and it could be a trusted friend. You know, he could be a financial advisor. He could be a chartered accountant. What kind of due diligence should people do before entering a scheme that seems to offer such great returns? 99.9999999999% of South Africans shouldn't be in any of these type of investments. They're not investments for the average man in the street. They are very specialized. So derivative trading of almost any sorts, forex trading is a form of derivative trading, cryptos, um, options and things like that are not for the man in the street. The man in the street, the only due diligence you need to know is, is it a collective investment scheme? Is it a, a fixed deposit with the bank? <laughs> you know, is it, and, and the person that offering this, are they registered as financial services providers with the FECA? Are they registered with, with the Reserve Bank as, as banks? That's all you need to know. Why are you going anywhere else? If you are a high net worth individual that has the money to afford proper advice, proper legal advisors to do proper due diligence, proper financial things, then go speculate into these high risk investments. Because yes, they can make great returns one day, but most of the time they make great losses the next two days. So you've got to understand that this is really risky, risky investing. If it's investing, and some some accountants like myself will be even in many cases, this is investing. This is just gambling with, with a little level of sophistication that you can go to the country club and pretend I'm really clever. I made so much money on the US dollar versus the yen, but you were just lucky in most cases. Uh, so why even go there? And it's not a career option for the youngsters that are listening. I don't want to tell you how many youngsters tell me, I look at my son, I've got a 10-year-old, my youngest is 10. He wants to be a YouTuber. I think the, the youngsters that are in the 20s now, when they were 10, they wanted to be forex traders because they're all <laughs> becoming forex traders today. <laughs> wanted to do it. It's not a career choice. Right. Very few people will yeah. go to university or go to a, a brokerage and, and do proper training and they might become it. But you don't stay at a home in your lounge and start to trade forex. People try and do that. Don't do that. And if you do it, I know you're asking a question about due diligence, but it should be 1% maybe of your total investable assets that you're investing. Mm. But the most important thing to check is, are they registered with the FECA as financial service providers? But as you mentioned, Prisidium and, and there are many other cases of registered financial services provider that have either gone bankrupt or gone rogue. And very often what happens is people get a license with us to give low-level advice in a very specific area, and they use that license to make out that they're, they're registered, but then they're doing something which isn't falling subject to what they were licensed to do in the first place. So, and that starts to get more technical. And how do you keep a track of that? It's probably the best is to, to contact the FSCA's No, but I'm service. asking, how does FSCA keep track of that? Do, they, do these companies have to submit reports to you? Yeah, no, well, we have an annual advisory process that they've got to give returns, etc. But if you are running an alternate scheme, you're not going to tell us about it very often. So we would rely on people to phone us 
is this person allowed to do this, etc.? Then we'll say, hang on, that, that doesn't fall part of his license. Then we'll flag him for a special type of investigation. Sometimes we might pick up an advertisement. Most of the cases, we'll only pick it up when it's too late, when the money's gone, effectively. And that's what happens more when you're playing with boutique type of players in the market. And as I said, once again, that is boutique is really not for the average man in the street. You know, I don't have any of my money sitting in any any of these boutique type of investments. And as a consequence, I will never make high, quick return on anything. But I know for a certain I'm never going to lose all that money quickly either. Easy come, easy go, is that saying. That's all people have to know. Stick to the basics when it comes to investing. And it's that Einstein spoke about compound interest. The most powerful force in the world is compound interest. You know, even if you're only getting 6% per annum, Next year, you're going to get 6% on the 6% you earned last year as well. And that's how you, people make money. There's one asset manager company, which is great, you know, that, that emphasizes the whole time that the best investment is time, effectively. Mm, yeah. the, the ad is always based on that. There's no quick return. Be patient. Go and go and watch the trees growing outside because that's how long it takes for a decent investment to grow. I think we discussed this before in the European Union. If you're a forex company, you have to disclose to your customers how many of them are winning, how many of them are losing. And uh, I wrote a story about this a few months back, and it's quite staggering. It's about 80% to 90% lose. lose. I was going to say, I've got no idea, but I guarantee you most people lose. Yeah. And the real issue is, and that's why we require forex traders to be um, regulated, registered with us, is that very often it's the trader that is that is controlling um, the outcome. They they, they can play the, the margins um, and and the spread, etc. That even in the case of the legitimate players, the table is stacked in favour of of the establishment. So that's why I would be pretty certain in South Africa it would be, be pretty similar. Right. So it's crypto and forex that are really giving you the biggest headaches at the moment. I would say schemes so. built around them. But schemes built around. But the good old fashioned Ponzi. I mean, you got a WhatsApp now. You can give me a, a hundred bucks, and next week I'm gonna give you a thousand bucks. Okay. And then there's others. You give me a hundred bucks. You bring in three friends. I'll give you another thousand bucks next week too. I mean, crypto is just a payment mechanism at the moment for them. But the scheme exists in rands, dollars, and in cows. You can also give me one cow, and I'll give you ten cows next week. But we don't regulate that. But that does exist. What are the main <laughs> ways that people are promoting this? Is it WhatsApp? I mean, I even get that on my WhatsApp. People yeah. send me these things. Invest in crypto. I definitely think social media is definitely the, the main means of, of doing it now. It's cheap and it, and it spreads like fire, as, as we all know. And, and it's a red why, flag right away. Well, I mean, legitimate business uses it too. So you can't say just because of social media. But we are doing more efforts from our side now to be monitoring social media networks a bit better. More of our education programs, our consumer education is going to, going to be um, on social media as well to try and counter it. Because obviously people are sophisticated enough to be using social media to fall into the scam in the first place. So we should be able to try and educate them through these mechanisms as well. So I have a new project, I call it my Sentinel project, and that that program is meant to be looking for these, and that's one of the reasons why we've got so many, like 170, to look for these suspect type of um, offerings. But the world is a big place, and it's not just, I don't know, it must be billions or trillions of entries and social media entries to get through. So we rely on the public asking questions and to reporting things, but normally they only report it when something's wrong and they're not getting their money. 
and I'm trying to make sure that our, our, our division is as proactive as possible to try and get to them in time. And that's why the large amount of public warnings. I'll give you an example of something that, that came across my desk just in the last few days. Somebody wrote to me and said, you know, can I check out this particular company? And you, you get pretty practiced at this after a while. You go to the website and there's all these happy customers at the bottom. First of all, our team. There is no team. You know, who's the guys running it? What's his experience? The second thing is all the happy customers and their testimonials at the bottom. So they have a, a picture of, um, you know, Sandra, um, but she's got the name Paul above it. So they've got <laughs> – this is obviously a foreign company, a foreign entity. They don't really understand maybe that Paul is a man's name and, and they've got a woman. But, you know, th- these basic kind of stupid mistakes that would just say, no, no, forget it. I'm not dealing with a company that is, this, you know, blatantly a ripoff. Yeah, look, I have similar stories. I mean, very often we get people – um, writing and asking us to do something and I, I respond in seconds and say I don't need to investigate this you've been conned it's blatantly clear let's go back to the greed element why are you investing offshore why are you investing in companies that are clearly theoretically not even in South Africa All right, forget the fact that there are laws in South Africa about taking money out of the country which people try and get around and you can't just use your credit card to, to purchase an investment offshore. That is a breach of the exchange control regulations. You can purchase foreign investment by going through your bank, and that's another due diligence process. The banks can't just pay money out without knowing who's been paid to, etc. And also clearing the tax status, etc. So don't go and send your money to, to a place where you can't even pronounce the name. If you're going to invest... Invest in South Africa. If you want to invest in foreign foreign assets, it's probably a very good idea to invest. You use the South African registered entities to allocate your money into foreign investment pools, etc., within the legal rules. You know, I was a tax practitioner for many years. You know, you can sleep at night when you know your taxes are right. I know a lot of clients' tax weren't right and they couldn't sleep. So don't try to do funny things. When it comes to money, it's been around for many years, hundreds of years, thousands of years. Money has certain rules. You don't break those rules quickly. And the one most important concept about money is it's round. My grandmother always used to say money is made round to go round. And it flows very easily. And now with the world of crypto, you, you've asked me that type of question. Why is crypto being used so much? Besides the fact that it's unknown, it's also because it flows. It's rounder than money even. It just moves much quicker. So stick to normal returns. That's probably in this market, 10% is a great return to be making. And stick to South African registered entities that have got reputations for been looking after your money for years. It's all very well to give the, 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 the young man who you saw grow up down the road and started a new business a chance. But don't give him all your money. You know, give him a little bit of money to play with and then see where, where – and make sure you know where he's putting it. And if he's putting it into harebrained schemes – if he's been into a harebrained scheme, then you're old enough very often to know it's a harebrained scheme and don't let your money go, go there. All right. I get the sense that the FSCA is under tremendous pressure to provide surety to the public on what investments are safe and which ones are not. And you seem to be issuing press releases daily. I mean, you seem to be doing nothing else but writing press releases. Is this unprecedented in terms of the number of scams coming across your desk? I mean, are we just seeing an absolute avalanche at the moment or is this just normal traffic? No, no, it's definitely, there has been an increase. Plus, we are trying always to get better. So as I mentioned earlier about we are monitoring things a little bit more closer, 
trying to be more proactive. So we are trying to, to, to get our warnings out quicker. So in the past, we might have spent a couple of months investigating a company before we issued a warning. Now, if you're a foreign company and I can't get a hold of you and you're planning our market and it looks like a scam, I call it a scam. And it goes out as a, uh, as a warning immediately. If you're a South African company, I will probably give you a little bit more respect. I will give you a few days to reply to my email. But if you don't reply to my email, I'll call you a scam <laughs> right. quicker. So I will rather earn the side of the general public than the side of an individual. So an individual company that's not responding to us. So that's why the warnings are going out there. And I will rather apologize. To date... I haven't had to apologize to anybody. And no court cases? No, Nobody always, sued you? No, I get a lot of threats for that all the time, but yeah. so far there's no basis to, to sue us. We, we, we call it right yeah. because it's pretty clear. You can't make 10% a month. Nobody can make 10% a month. Anybody that can make 10% a month is not going to be living in South Africa for very long. How big is your team? My uh, investigations team is about 50 people in total, plus we have a forensics panel that we can bring other players in as well. So. Of course, it's quite difficult after the fact to sort of unscramble these omelets, right? I mean, they really are terribly complex. Uh, I think Presidium and in Imagina FX, which is under liquidation at the moment, yeah. are examples of that. You know, it's like this money. There's billions of rands of money, and it just went from one account to another. It's a kite-flying operation, it seems. Do you need, like, very, very high-level people spending months and months to just unpack one case like that? Though I love trying to track down the money and pay it back, that's not our job. So, um, and I've had experience personally having been involved with cases like that, that's nice. But at the FECA, my job is to protect you. And the way to protect you is, is to, when I see a scam, to stop it operating. At that point, it gets handed over to a curator if it's a legitimate business very often, or to a liquidator if there's no, if there's no legitimacy and or um, very often the police as well for the criminal prosecution side. So we don't get involved in tracking down the money. We get involved in proving it is unlawful um, so that we can justify our applications to the court to close it. But once the place is closed, I've done my job effectively because now that person can't take money away from the public. We then work with these other people whose job it is to try and recover the, the wrong person's money. But it's not my team's responsibility to do that. My team must then move on immediately to stop one of the other 170 new, new companies and, and new operations. It's very frustrating as well for us because we like to get to, get, get to, to, to the guy that's got your money and get your money back. You know, and that's why we do spend time and effort helping the police and helping the liquidators. But we realize it isn't our primary job. My primary job is to stop you investing um, in the first place. I was saying today to a, a, a group of people in an organization working on innovation, you know, if, if we are completely effective, my team won't have any matters to investigate because we'll stop the guys before they get into the market. When the public sa says, when, when Kenan wants me to invest in his airbrand scheme, say, listen, yeah, you're not registered with the FSCA. This is obviously a scam and I'm not going to put my money with you. Then I've actually done, as an organization, we can say that we've been 100% effective. Um, but we're far from that for whatever reason. One of the complaints that has come through from a number of different people is that in our police and in the commercial crimes units and the SIU do not have the skills that are required, the high-level forensic accounting skills, the auditing skills to be able to unravel some of these very, very complex uh, schemes that go on. Now, back in the days when we had the Scorpions, of course, we had the FBI training 
our teams here, and, and th- th- that was dismantled. So, and those, I think those guys went off into private practice, and they became, you know, forensic investigators in, in yeah. you know, for their own benefit. But if you look at the United States, uh, the attorney generals in these different states, like New York and so on, they see something like this. They are really jumping all over it. They have the teams behind it. They do have the skills, and they have a personal incentive to do it because. Those are, you know, they, they're ambitious. They want to climb up the political ladder or the law enforcement ladder. We don't really have a similar system here with, with those kind of incentives in place, right? So the lack of skills in certain other bodies does exist. And other than our organization working with their teams using our expertise on case to case, we are also organizing now an economic crime symposium for later in this year where we're bringing together experts from the other financial intelligence center from the Reserve Bank, from the FSCA. We've been in a few top forensic accountants in. The Northwest University Business School has got a strong focus on, on corruption and countering corruption as such. We're bringing certain of their players um, to the symposium. We're inviting some of the top prosecutors and police officers in the country that deal with economic crime on a daily basis. The forensic units, the the heads of the frenzy units of the banks and the insurers and bring the people together to understand each other's problems, to share some of the latest best practices internationally and also to just to share ideas how we can work closer on cases so that we, we're all up to date. So if a police officer says, this is my problem on a case and it involves fraud in an insurance company, etc., so that the insurance players will know how to, to present the evidence to the police in, in the co- complaint, etc., so that it makes the case for the police officer easier to, to take to the prosecutor and so on. And the prosecutors can tell us, well, prosecuting insurance fraud is difficult because of the following basis, etc. So it's one of the incentives that we are taken up at the FECA and we're heading so this year should be our first economic crime symposium. COVID been willing because the nature of this uh, symposium is as an in-person um, type of uh, an arrangement so that you can look each other in the eyes and say yeah in that case we had a real big problem because you guys dragged your feet etc. You just can't do that uh, um, over the internet. It just doesn't have the same effect. So we're going to start seeing some real teeth here and we're going to find the banks and the insurance companies uh, they're going to start cracking the whip with them. Well, this will be in both ways. I mean, obviously, when the banks and the insurers are defrauding the investing public or the public, they're going to lose their license. So it's more for when people are, are in the financial sector causing havoc that we need to work together to get them out. Supervising a regulated entity, a guy that's legitimately running a business that's trying to be honest, is much easier than trying to uh, regulate the common plane in the air industry. So it's a combined effort on the part of the regulators and the financial sector to get rid of the the bad apples. When the when when they're calling the good apples start to to get bruised or bruise other people, that's when the regulator like ourselves has to come in and, and play a hardball with them. And we have a constant supervision program. With, with, with all financial sector players. And if we get complaints, we investigate it. As, uh, and then, of course, there are ombuds. We have various ombuds that, that also hear, hear matters and complaints. Um, but uh, they don't get special treatment. But people must understand that a bank doesn't want to become get a reputation as, as being a, a bad apple. Um, and we're not going to let them get such a reputation because as soon as they, they were to 
display such tendencies, we, we would be under obligation to, to revoke their licenses. I mean, we can't allow the legitimate players to be ripping off the public. So when the rules aren't clear, we've got to make them clear. This is how you do something. And when they start to go in a certain direction, we've got to say to them, no, 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 that's not right. And they say, no, you guys have been too conservative or whatever. And that, that's the process of public participation um, in, in new regulations which might, might come out. Brennan Topham, our thoughts and prayers are with you and your team and all of these hundreds of investigations that are going on there, and we wish you the very, very best on that. Thanks very much for coming to the studio and updating us on these scams and mirror trading and related problems. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. Hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.